Thank you, music team. What a great reminder that the task is unfinished. We are still going to all the world for the kingdom hope that Jesus Christ brings. And that's why, again, we support missions and ministry. That's why we heard from InFocus this morning. And that's why we go to the Word now to be equipped for this calling. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it can be found on page 977 in the Bibles and the chairs in front of you. This morning we are going to look at spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives to his people for the good of his church. Our passage of study will be Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 13. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us this morning. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, and the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to walk worthy of our calling. Help us to walk as Jesus has taught us. Help us to apply the truth here in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon series in Ephesians, uh, as we've said for the last week now, have taken a turn in chapter 4. In chapter 4, through the rest of the book, we've seen that we are to examine our Christian walk that we are to walk worthy of our calling. And just reminding you, Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 are all about the theology of the gospel, the glory, the majesty of God's grace and love, and all he's done through Jesus Christ. And now in chapter 4 and following, the Apostle Paul has said, let's apply that gospel to your life. Let's apply that gospel to your Christian walk. And specifically this morning, we see that our walk matters. Godliness matters. Spiritual growth matters. So how do we walk with Christ? An important part of our Christian walk that we will observe this morning is using our spiritual gifts. Using our spiritual gifts. As as we dive into this passage, I want you to to look and and ask and examine in your own heart, in your own life, about your spiritual gifts and what God has called you to do. Uh, But specifically, we need to understand this morning that when we talk about spiritual gift, 
spiritual gifts, there's a difference between our talents and our hobbies and things that we're good at and what a spiritual gift actually is. A spiritual gift is just that. It is, it is given by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes it a spiritual gift. It's used for the building up of God's kingdom. These spiritual gifts are for the saints, the Bible says. That is, the Christians, those who are called of God, those who are in Christ, those who have a saving relationship with Him. This morning, if you're not in Christ, if you don't know Jesus, this could be a little confusing to you. This could be concerning to you. And so if you're not a Christian, then I would simply ask you this morning to pray and to seek the Lord and to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that He died for sins and that He has made us right with God. And once you have done that, then you can ask, then you can plead, Lord, use me. Help me to glorify you. Give me gifts to bring glory to your name. And of course, that's a prayer we should all pray. So this morning, as we dive into this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 13, there are three truths about spiritual gifts for Christians that we're going to examine. The first is, spiritual gifts are given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we have all been given specific spiritual gifts. And thirdly, we have been given specific spiritual gifts for very specific purposes. So let's look at that this morning. The first is that Christians have been given spiritual gifts by the authority of Christ. And we see that in verses 7 through 10. Look in verse 7. The Apostle Paul, proclaiming to the Ephesian church, says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Here again, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the local church in Ephesus. Thereby, there's certainly a word here for Cornerstone this morning. These words, these instructions are to encourage us and to help us. And so in verse 7, the Apostle says that Christ Jesus has given each person, each one of you, in the church, grace. We've been given grace. This word could also mean gift. We've been given a gift. We've been given grace. We've been given a gift of grace. This, gr gift, this grace that is given... These gifts that are given, they come from Jesus. They come from the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen and all-powerful Lord and Savior who is over this world, who is over His church, and who gives gifts to His people. It's important to note that Jesus has not overlooked anyone in this gift-giving. Each one of us all in his church that belong to him has been given a gift. If you are in Christ, then you've been given a spiritual gift or gifts by Jesus himself. Is that not amazing? Isn't he better than Santa Claus? He gives everyone gifts, specific spiritual gifts. So that we can glorify him. So that we can be useful in his kingdom. It is a huge blessing to receive these gifts. It's a great responsibility 
those who are given this grace by faith through Christ, we've been given these gifts. And these gifts are not so we can keep them to ourselves, so that we can hoard them and say, it's mine, it's all mine. No, it's so that we can use them in the world, in the church, for the glory of God. To those who are saved by grace, we are saved for something. Our gifts are for the glory of God. And so the point that Paul makes here in verse 7, it sparks a thought in his mind. We've all been given gifts by the all-powerful Jesus Christ. And so as soon as he says that in verse 7, it's almost like he gets off track in verses 8 through 10. But I've got to tell you something else. So in verse 8, it leads him to, quote, Psalm 68, verse 18, when he says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. We don't have time this morning, but if we were to go back and read all of Psalm 68 and understand the context, we see that Psalm 68 was written in response to a conquest, to a triumph, to a, a victory. It's a psalm of triumph, and many scholars, scholars believe it is when the, the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to Jerusalem after it was hauled away. And so that was symbolic of, of, of the presence of God coming and entering into Jerusalem among God's people again. And in Psalm 68, we see this picture of, of God who is victorious over all of his enemies and who rules and reigns in Israel and has helped Israel conquer all their enemies. And now he is returning to the throne, and the king was going to receive gifts and tributes in response to the victory. And this reference also harkens us back to the, the ancient wars and times of old, when the king would return triumphantly home. And as he would return home, and the people were glad, they would, they would give him gifts and, and tidings, and, and, and thanksgiving, and praise for the victory. And yet the king, in his benevolence and his grace, he would also give gifts from the spoils of war. And so by quoting this psalm in verse 8, Paul is putting the Lord Jesus Christ in this picture to affirm that he's the great king. He's the one who has the authority. He's the head of his church. He's the victorious savior and king who has conquered all of his enemies by his death on the cross. And he has given gifts, spiritual gifts to his people. By his death on the cross, he has defeated all enemies. And he has ascended victoriously to the right hand of God the Father where he distributes spiritual gifts to his church. The image here in Verses 8 through 10 is that of Christ's rule. He is the one who has all the authority. He has all the power over his church and over all. And so that is what he's talking about here. The, the, the condescension of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus in verses 9 and 10. He's the one who has all authority and power because of all that God has done through his life and death and resurrection and glorification. But I must just mention to you here this morning as we exegete this passage, as we look at these verses, these, these verses, this passage is not something we're to use to promote a false teaching or a false doctrine. And unfortunately, it has been used throughout the ages for that reason. 
This passage is not teaching about purgatory or anything like that. We do not subscribe to that doctrine. It is not true and found in Scripture. This teaching, these verses are a reference to Psalm 68, to the Almighty King. It's about a king, King Jesus. And he is the one who has descended to earth by his incarnation, by becoming a man. And he is the one who ascended on high by God raising him victoriously from the dead. And he's the one who now is glorified and who rules and reigns over his church at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And so the point being, Christ has all the power. He has all the authority. And he distributes these gifts to his church by his incarnation, by becoming a man, ultimately by his exaltation, the all-powerful God that he is. Christ has been given, has given gifts to his church by his authority. That's the point, the point that the apostle wants to make here. But let's keep going. Let's look secondly, that Christians have been given specific spiritual gifts. Specific spiritual gifts. Look at verse 11. We actually see some of these spirit, specific spiritual gifts. I'm getting tongue twisted this morning. Forgive me. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Everyone in Christ has been given a specific spiritual gift. Uh, Verse 11 here is not an exhaustive list. This is not, you're either one of these things or you're not. I think we would be hard-pressed to go to one list in Scripture and say these are all of them. Uh, there are there are very visible gifts of leadership in the church, and then there's some that are more behind the scenes. But specific to this list that the apostle does mention here in passing, we see the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, some say pastors, some are elders, different ways to translate these words. But this specific list, we need to comment on for a minute here talks about the apostles, and he talks about the prophets. We believe, as a Reformed Presbyterian church, that those specific gifts have ceased with the close of the New Testament. In other words, there were only 12 apostles, those who were with Jesus, and those who have the prophetic voice of the mouth of God are no longer alive in the sense of the biblical sense of the word, a prophet who was speaking for God. We have the New Testament and the Old Testament scriptures that have Close that canon, we would say. And so those gifts have ceased, but the gifts of evangelism, shepherding, and teaching that he mentions here, they are still in existence today. They are still to be exercised in the church today. There are certainly those men in the church who have been called professionally to do these things, but we can't just limit those gifts of teaching, of shepherding, and evangelism to the professionals, because any parent should know that we too are called to exercise these gifts in our own home. We're called to shepherd our children. We're called to teach them the great truths of the faith. We're called to share the gospel with our children. So these gifts are very much alive in the church today. There are many, many other types of spiritual gifts. There's other places in Scripture we can go and read 
these different types of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and we read some from Romans 12, uh, Romans 12 this morning. Again, in 1 Peter, he mentions some. Spiritual gifts are listed all throughout the New Testament scriptures. But I want you to think about it this morning, that spiritual gifts are not just limited to the super-religious, to the super-holy. Spiritual gifts are not for those who've memorized the whole Bible and who can recite verse and reference at the drop of a hat. No, spiritual gifts are for all of God's people. It's not about how great we can pray. It's not whether we're involved in the ministry as our vocation. All of God's people have been given unique and particular spiritual gifts. Christ gave them to us for the building up of the church. And so I ask you this morning, what's your spiritual gift? What has God called you to do? Maybe this morning you're sitting there thinking, I, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Or you may be thinking, how, how do I find out what it is? What is my spiritual gift? How has God called me to serve in his church, in this world? Think about it this way. What are just the natural abilities that God gave you? What are the things that you enjoy doing? What are the things that interest you? Ask yourself these, these questions. What do I enjoy doing? What interests me? Where, where do I love to serve? And oftentimes you will find your spiritual gift. It may be talking to someone. Maybe you're just good at talking. You know, you're just, you're just an extrovert. You know, just find me some people <laughs> and I'll talk to them. We have homebound congregants in this church that I would love to give you their address and they would love to talk to you and have a visit. Maybe you could just go talk to some of them. Maybe you're just good at listening. You know, you're just, you, you just enjoy listening to someone and talking with them and helping them and counseling them. And perhaps you're experiencing a trial right now or have gone through a trial that you know another brother and sister in Christ has gone through. Maybe you could go... Just counsel them. Give them wisdom from your experience. Maybe you're good at encouraging, and a lot of you are. Thank you for that. You're good at encouraging. Again, you probably know someone sitting right beside you that, oh, man, they're going through a tough time. How could you encourage them? Maybe you're just really good at working with your hands. Some of you come up to me, Pastor, just give me a project. How could you use your manual labor? Maybe go do yard work for a neighbor. Maybe, maybe go visit someone you know who just doesn't have the skills to accomplish a task at their home. Some of you are really good cooks. Maybe taking a meal to somebody and just showing them hospitality. They don't have to be sick in the hospital having a baby or surgery. <laughs> You could just take them a meal and just say, God put you on my mind and my heart and wanted to, to bless you. Maybe your gift is praying. Maybe you're just really good at going to the Lord. Boy, do I have a list for you. 
There are so many ways you can exercise gifts. Let's just keep talking about it. God's Word says in verse 7 that each one of us, every one of us, no exception, children, you too have been given a gift. Each one of us has been given a gift. You don't need to get on a computer and take a spiritual aptitude test to see what your gift is. Be careful with those. But to find out what your gift is, or if you don't know, again, see what you enjoy doing. See what you're, what you're good at. Maybe, maybe even try something new. I mean, I remember the first time I went on a mission trip. I did not want to go. <laughs> I was made to go on the mission trip. I'll just be honest with you. Since then, I've been on about 30. Because <laughs> I found something I love to do. And we're going to take a mission trip next summer. And I can't wait for some of you to go with me. God calls different people to different works of service. He's given us all gifts. Some of our gifts are very public. I have a very public gift here. (laughs) But that's not for everybody. Some of you are quiet. Some of you are behind the scenes. And those gifts, those behind the scenes, exercising gifts, the ones I love to see, And I get to see a lot of them as the pastor. And I'm so thankful for how God has called many of you to serve in this church. We've all been equipped for the work of ministry. Every one of us in this room, nobody is exempt. We've been called for a purpose. And that's the last thing about spiritual gifts we'll look at here. Christians have been given specific spiritual gifts for specific purposes. The gifts that are given by the Lord Jesus Christ or to be used for the purposes of which he has ordained them. The purpose of our spiritual gifts is to serve the church. And what I mean by that is to serve the body of Christ, to do the kingdom work in this world that God has called us to do, to go, therefore, into all the nations, teaching them, baptizing them, showing mercy and hospitality. And by serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and serving His church. Three things are going to happen. When we're using our specific gifts for specific purposes, three things are going to happen. Look at what he says there in verses 12 and 13. The first is the body of Christ is going to be built up. There's that word again. We see it throughout the New Testament. The church is a body. We're not an organization. We're not a country club. We're not a business. We're a body like a human body that is made up of many different parts. I, like many of you, started watching some of the Olympics and just marveling at some of these athletes. But the truth is, we're not going to see many one-legged sprinters in the Olympics because they need both of their legs functioning well to sprint and to run the race. It's the same in the church. We need all of our body parts, all of us working together to do the kingdom work that God has called us to do, to build up the body of Christ because our gifts are not to be used for selfish gain. They're not to be used to draw attention to ourselves. They're to be used to bless the body, serve the church, so the church will be strengthened, so the church will grow. When the church is strengthened, when the church grows in this way by all of the body using its parts for the glory of God and the good of the church, 
There will be an impact like this world has never known. This is why it's important to be involved in the local church. So that we can very locally and very specifically express our gifts and glorify the Lord and bring glory to Him and spread the gospel. This is why we need to be here. This is why when the pinky toe is broken and we stub it on the door, we don't walk correctly. (laughs) And so when you're missing, when you're not here, when you're not engaged, we don't function correctly. We need each other. We're a body. The church has this amazing responsibility of administering the gospel and helping people to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to do this effectively, it takes many different gifts that Christ has given to his church. We need all the gifts because the church is only fully powerful, is only fully healthy, is only running at maximum speed when all of the body is using their gifts for the good of the church. A second thing will happen when we use our gifts to strengthen the body. Unity will be given in the body of Christ. We'll be united in the faith. Look there in verse 13. We spent time last week talking about the importance of unity, specifically doctrinal unity. But using our spiritual gifts in the church is a huge part of Christian unity. I remember it was just a a little over a year ago that we moved into this building. And it took every one of us to get in this building. I remember watching some of you clean bathrooms, scrub floors, and clean up only the Lord knows what junk was here. But what was cool about watching that was how some of you got to know other folks in the congregation that you never knew before. Because when you're serving together, when you're scrubbing muck, (laughs) you grow together. We're unified. It's amazing how many differences can be overlooked in the church when we're all working together, when we're serving together, when we're unified together. We are never more unified than when we're serving the Lord together. The third thing that's going to happen when we use our specific gifts for specific purposes is that we will mature in Christ. We will grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by being reminded of what He has done and how much we need Him. When we are living in unity together and using our gifts to build up the church, only then will we mature Only then we'll be able to attain or achieve the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, Paul says in verse 13. That is the goal in the Christian life. That is the purpose of the Christian life, is to be more Christ-like. To mature in Christ is to grow in our faith. To be more like Christ. And we do that when we're Trying to be like Jesus. That's a prayer that we pray, right? Lord, help us to be more Christ-like. Lord, help my children to love Jesus and be more like Him. And we're going to talk about in a minute what that means. But let me tell you this this morning. When it comes to spiritual gifts. You will never be happy 
And I use that in the biblical sense of the word. You, you will never be satisfied. You will never have fulfillment. You will never mature in your walk with Christ if you're not exercising your spiritual gifts. This is what it means to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Very, one's very specific way is we can use our gifts. Our spiritual gifts, exercising them is, is, is a part of our Christian growth. We will never mature in Christ if we're not serving Him. In other words, we're not going to grow in Christ. We're not going to mature in our faith if we're not exercising our gifts. So how can you grow? How can you grow in your Christian walk by using your God-given gifts to glorify Him and bless the church? In a lot of ways, only you can know that. One of the questions that we ask our communicants, the children who are joining our church for membership and are going to receive communion for the first time, and we're having a class this fall for those who are interested. One of the questions that myself and the elders ask them when it comes to church membership is, hey, I know, we know that you're a young child, but you're still called to grow. You're still called to use your gifts to bless the church. What is an area in the church that you might like to serve in one day. You want to know what almost every one of them says? Every one of them says this. You know, I think I might like to serve in children's ministry one day. Here they are, a child in the children's ministry, and they're saying, I want to serve in children's ministry one day. I'd love to help out with vacation Bible school. And the reason they're saying this is because you are blessing them. You are encouraging them. You are serving them. You are using your spiritual gifts of shepherding, of nurturing, of teaching, and whatever it may be. And they're impacted by that. And so they tell me and the elders, I, it's, it's so sweet. I want to serve the children one day. They can't, it's like they can't wait to grow up so they can come and volunteer and help. What a blessing. Are you in love with Christ so much that... You are using all your gifts and abilities to serve him so that the church may be built up, showing unity in the faith and helping you to become a mature and equipped follower of Christ. If a Christian is using his or her spiritual gift to bring attention to themselves rather than to Christ, then we are misappropriating God's grace. We're forgetting what we were saved for, and that is to serve the Lord. When we are using our spiritual gifts for the glory of Christ and building up his church, God is honored. He is glorified. Our Lord is the greatest model for this. Mark says in his gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said this after he had washed his disciples' feet. The Lord did this. He's the one who gave his life in service to the church. We too are called to give our lives to serve. We need to be seeking out our gifts and discerning what they are and asking how can we, be, how can we use them to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and build up his church. And when we do that, the ultimate end that is in view Paul says here, 
is the fullness, the completeness of the body of Christ. Each member of the church, all Christians have been given a gift. Today, how can you serve the Lord? What is your gift? If you're struggling with what this is, come talk to me. Come talk to one of our officers. We would love to help you discern this. I'll leave you with this word from the Apostle Peter. He says that each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. Use your gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How do we respond to the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord? We use our gifts to serve one another. May God help us to do so. Let's pray. Lord, when we really think about it, we are, we're not worthy of the gifts that you've given. We, we can't earn them, we don't deserve them, but that's why they're gifts of your grace. You give them freely, you give them abundantly, and we thank you, O oh Lord, that you have given them to your church, that you've given them to each one of us. And so help us, we pray, strengthen us, we pray, to use our gifts to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.